This is Double Exposure Show, co-hosted by Sophia Lemon and myself, Petro. Keep listening if you're a photographer, entrepreneur, or small business owner looking for actionable business and marketing advice and funny, off-topic rants. If you're not one of those, stop listening right now. Just kidding. Here we go. What do you mean it's just me? It's just you. That takes so long. I'm sitting here literally not doing anything, waiting for you to be ready to go. And I hear Ego in the background, and I swear he sounds like a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Is he just purring, or is he like pretending to ride an imaginary motorcycle? He's like... (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. killing me, like... I love it. I love cats. They're hilarious. <laughs> and like, I just took a little video of him because I know I've said this on the show before, but he likes to play hide and seek. So yeah. <laughs> if I'm in the washroom, he'll go behind like the shower curtain and yeah. <laughs> he'll sit there and he'll go, meow, meow, <laughs> until someone finds him. And by someone, I mean me, because I'm the only one in there. Right. And when I'm at my desk, there's a curtain right next to me. And he'll hide behind that, and he'll do the same thing. <laughs> He's oh, so weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he just got behind it. <laughs> See, this is this is proof. Cat cats make things better. I I don't really know why people don't like cats. Oh my god. I've been spending some time with a new friend lately, and. He's a dude. He's not a cat? And he, he, well, no, he's not a cat. But he has cats, which is odd. Usually guys are like anti-cat. <laughs> that's so not true. And maybe you're just not friends with the right people, if that's the case. <laughs> um, um, well, I think you know, that, I think that you guy's... You know Dave Sanford? Yes. We talk about him once in a while. A lot of people know who he is in the photography uh, industry. Well, he's got a cat named Ollie. And this is the cutest, tubbiest, <laughs> black and white tuxedo cat ever. <laughs> um, and uh, you should cruise uh, Dave's Instagram profile sometimes. Okay. You'll see some interesting pictures of Ollie. Um, I think he's got one of Ollie inside the Stanley Cup even. <laughs> uh, anyways, moving on. Well, you were I, saying? I think that a lot of the guys that I know don't like cats because they're intimidated by their independence. <laughs> No, perhaps. <laughs> like guys need dogs to be really sucky and <laughs> glued so to their sides at all times. Of, of their mates, their like their their future mate, whether it be a woman or a man, is that the reflection of like what they seek in a partner? That's interesting. I think we I think we're just broken through some major something. Yeah, because if like, you think about it, like women who like cats, like that's the stereotype that women like cats. Women are okay with being alone like not mm-hmm. being wrapped up with their or animal at all times do women who like cats look for a mate who will depend who will be more independent or wait i don't know i would imagine so i would imagine women who like cats would hate it if men were really sucky like you know the whole man man cold thing yeah yeah like <laughs> I don't know. I'm not super good with sucky guys. Like if guys text me too much, I just sort of ignore them. That's totally not what you're supposed to do. Which is hilarious, <laughs> right? Because I text a lot. You can, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> kind of frustrating sometimes. I'm it's, like, it's not that I. I don't can, know if Petra. you've moved on from our previous conversation that I haven't replied to yet. Like, do I go back and answer those questions? <laughs> but. Um, you know, my favorite have- thing about texting is read notifications. And it, it it's funny as hell when people have read notifications turned off and you text them and you know that they the phone banged or dinged and they saw it. You, you know it, it did, but they don't reply to you. Yeah. Which is great. That's fine. I don't care. I don't need instant gratification of your reply. But um, they there's that comfort that because the message doesn't say read, that they can just take their time and not feel as guilty. However... Um, I have my read notifications on, turned on because, you know, whatever, like, why not? And quite often these same people, what will happen is when they send me a text message, I will read it, but I won't reply to it. 
Mm-hmm. Or I started writing a reply and I got distracted by a cat and, you know, the rest of the story. <laughs> well, they're, they're the ones who will send you just a question mark. And, you know, literally just a question mark. So they'll ask you a question, six hours goes by and they send you a question mark. But you know, and you know what that question mark means? It, it means, means they're impatient and like, they need to get a life. <laughs> like so much more than just are you going to answer my question? But it's more like, what is wrong with you? Why did you read my message and you didn't respond? Do you have a problem with it's me? Do you so not want to be friends anymore? <laughs> like, what's going on? That question mark is so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> that question mark is the Riddler. Yeah. So I, I tell people straight up, like, listen, you know, let's rewind 30 years. You sent me a letter. Uh, it came in the mail. I opened the letter. I read it. Now I just need to find a piece of paper to write you back at some point and collect my thoughts. And, you know, if you really want to talk to me, the same phone number that you texted, just press call. Yeah. You'll get an answer immediately. <laughs> or I'll tell you, hey, I'm busy. I'm doing other things like petting my cat. So get lost. <laughs> and, you know, don't take any offense to that. Um, I have this but, nasty habit where I don't like lying to people. And well, I, also, I know I also don't like um, leaving messages unread. So when people text me, I respond to them pretty much immediately, like right when right. I get their message. So as long as I have my phone on me, I'm probably going to respond to them pretty much immediately. And what does it have that's to do a with problem. Lying? Well, because sometimes I don't want to respond or people are asking me to do something and I, I don't want to, but I don't have a good reason not to. So like I'm technically available, but you can't just tell someone, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hang out. I just want to stay at home. So I've, yes, been, you can. I've been trying to start. It feels so good. I've started lying to people and being like, Ugh, I really can't. Or. <laughs> right. Or, well, that's what everybody does. Yeah. Or I've just started ignoring them. And like, they I, ask me a question, I'm like, fuck it, I don't need to respond, screw that. Other people don't go. respond to me, so they can friggin' deal with it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody's gonna die because of it, hopefully. That being said, I texted my friend this morning and have not gotten a response, and I'm a little bit cranky about it, not gonna lie. <sighs> I guess if you're a 911 operator and somebody texts you, or calls you, and you don't respond, you're like, eh, then that, that's, a, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a 911 operator though. That's that's my point. That's my way of saying like you're not dealing with emergencies. I mean, pe- people can wait and um I I don't like to compare things to the old times, you know. <clears throat> when I draw a comparison to 30 years ago and letters and whatever, that's that's different, but I don't like to say, well, you know, before cell phones, things were like this and like this. Now the reason I don't like doing that is because when we, we we change our lifestyle. We adapt with technology and everything. So you you can't always compare ourselves to what had happened in the past. But people just slow the fuck down. Um, <laughs> I might have told told you this story about going to the East Coast and being in Halifax and eating way too much lobster. And right. uh, at one point uh, it was lunchtime, and I'm like, I just want a good old fashioned like Subway meatball sub, and let's call it a day. So when I was in line at Subway, I was first in line and the person is just taking their sweet ass time making the sandwich. Now, I couldn't care less because I don't really have anywhere to be. And my hotel room is right there. But slowly there's a line forming behind me. And it's like it's like they're rolling the meatball, you know, gently brushing the sauce on it, putting it onto the sandwich one at a time. Like think of the sloth at the DMV in that movie. I forget what it was called. Um that's that's what it was like it you couldn't they couldn't have gone any slower so i'm panicking for a different reason i'm now kind of getting agitated and frustrated because i think the people behind me are panicking and i feel very uncomfortable but i do kind of glance over to sort of give a smile like sorry and the three to four people behind me they couldn't give a shit they were just there like hmm 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 Life is great. I really don't care. And it really kind of drew, drew a perspective for me. Okay. Yes. That geographical location dictates a lot on how we perceive things and how we do things and how, how we think things are very important, which they actually aren't. So, like replying to a text message. So, I have a similar experience where I was mm-hmm. waiting for like 20 minutes for gas. 
on Monday okay. in Mount Forest. And Mount Forest is like a third of the way between where I am and where you are. And okay. Mount Forest is a teeny weeny little town. Have you ever been there? I probably have because it sounds familiar. I would have driven through there to get somewhere. It's a nice little town, but it's a small town. And I'm I'm sitting there waiting like I'm two cars behind um, the pumps. I think four of the six pumps were down. So <laughs> there were only two pumps available and the person at the front of the line is taking forever. And then there's a truck behind them and people are like moving things between one vehicle and another and then <laughs> someone drives in and fills up at the other pump and then is pulling out and parks like in the out lane to get onto the road parks their car <laughs> comes back and starts talking to the person pumping gas and i'm like what is going on here this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen none of them are in a rush they're all talking pleasantly no one is cranky about taking 20 minutes to get gas and it actually made me late which was a little bit frustrating, but like, I didn't really care that much, <laughs> but like <laughs> they like small town, man, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> they don't give a shit. They no. had all the time in the world. But that being said, so I just got back from Chicago and we went to Tim Hortons a couple times, like a couple different Tim Hortons on the way down. And one of the Tim Hortons that we stopped at was, um, in Sarnia, I think, like right before we crossed the yeah. border. And yep. one of the things I've noticed is that Tim Hortons in cities are slow as hell. Really? So slow. Like whenever I go to Tim Hortons in Niagara Falls, it's awful. You're waiting forever. <laughs> it's Niagara Falls. <sighs> but Come in on. Sarnia. Everything's awful in Niagara Falls. <laughs> in Sarnia. So slow. Like my God. But Tim Hortons in Owen Sound, they are on the freaking ball. And they get you through that, like, drive through line so fast. Hmm. Interesting. That also being said, so I was in Chicago. Damn, people are really nice in Chicago. Yeah. I had no idea. And it's such a pretty city and there's, like, no garbage anywhere. There's lots of homelessness, which really sucks to see. But, like, you obviously didn't go into every part of Chicago. I did but... not go to the south side. I was yeah. specifically told by several people not to do that and that it was super dangerous. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we drove through the south side on the way out and it, it didn't look good. No, it, it's, it, it wasn't like it's a completely different area. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like dirty, but it was like boarded up windows and it was run down brown grass and stuff. And, but yeah. it was like, we took a couple ta uh, taxis and like the, um, valets at the hotel were like super nice and joking around with each other and stuff and i was like this is pretty cool but every single taxi we got into they were like oh where are you from um and they were all foreigners by the way um and they're like which is okay oh for sure <laughs> just wait just wait so where are you from we're like canada oh justin trudeau i like him <laughs> <laughs> And we were like, yeah, we do too. And then someone would inevitably say like, what do you think about Trump? <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, I feel The orange like dildo that runs your country? Huh? Let we me are, think about we are so much more aggressive about Trump than they are. Like, they clearly didn't like him at all, but they were so diplomatic about how they worded it. They were like, <laughs> you just never know what he wants. Like, we don't think that he knows what he wants. <laughs> like... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. They were like, I couldn't get over it. Like hmm. how diplomatic they were about Trump. And by the way, our hotel room looked directly into the Trump building, which was kind of <laughs> annoying. Like I look out the window, I'm like, my God, there's a giant Trump <laughs> sign right there. So, You know what it is? It's somebody asked me, um, oh, okay, let me paint a different picture. Um, lately I've been playing a couple of games online and I meet random players who I end up having a conversation with. And a lot of them are from us because let's face it, there's a lot of people who play games in us and, and the minute they hear that I'm from Canada, right away, they're like, Oh, Drake. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, well, because here's, here's the funny thing about the demographics, you know, people who play video games think Canada and Drake and Justin Bieber came up a few times. And then people who drive taxis and are, you know, everyday life kind of people in Chicago think, oh, Justin Trudeau. Mm. 
Well, so interesting thing, but um, the, it's about it's about Trump. It's it's funny how uh, what you're saying is they're more diplomatic about it. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't know they don't see it from our perspective. Like they've never experienced uh, not a stupid president, if you if you know what I mean. Like look at the goofball antics of like George W. Bush. Like when we were watching it from the sidelines, he seemed like the, it it seemed like they couldn't get any worse. And then when we saw somebody who's intelligent and who's from Chicago, I guess, or like lived in Chicago, like um, Obama, uh, or he was the governor in Chicago. I don't know. See, American politics don't really interest me too much, but I know a little tidbit here and there. So um, it was very intelligent. He's very well spoken. A lot of uh, talk shows that I've seen recently that feature him. Uh, after the presidency, he's still a very like intelligent guy. He's not putting on a show. And then you present somebody like Trump, who, when for example, when he made fun of the uh, handicapped person, uh, the reporter who who's disabled, and he did all the motions and funny faces and like sound effects to accompany it, like we wouldn't tolerate that because that. To us, to a Canadian, to a, a nice person, we don't tolerate that because that that makes another human being um, puts them down. You know, it, it hurts them in one way or another. Whereas in U.S., they I find I just find their priorities are a little bit different. They see that and they're and they're just like, oh, we're used to this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to put it, how to explain it. You know what's funny about mostly that? because go what? ahead. Do you remember when? I was in college and I was like pretty mean to people. Yeah, yeah. You were American for that time. <laughs> now I get super like outrageously angry when people are mean to other people. Mm-hmm. And I find it's always because people want you to do something that you either don't want to do or can't do. Like people are basic, basically putting expectations on you to do what they mm-hmm. want. Does that make sense? It does. Do you know what I mean? They're too bossy. (laughs) (laughs) I think your cat knows what you mean. Yeah. He always, I'm super mean to him. So that explains some things. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And you know what it is? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the point of, uh, the point you are at in your life. Um, Like when you were in school, you may have thought that you were very smart and you knew a lot of things. Well, I'm sure Um, a lot of it was self-consciousness as well like overconfident perhaps no like that i was less confident than i was Mm, okay fair enough (laughs) yeah no that makes sense i'm distracted by this awesome photo of just bread and like baking utilities is it because you want to eat the bread well i love bread that's probably my favorite food in the world i have i have an urgent update by the way Let's let's hear it. Um, the friend that I texted that didn't respond just responded to me. Just for the oh, record. fantastic! Yeah, um, but can we make like a terrible segue into stupid people? Yes, let's do that. Um, stupid people are driving me freaking bananas these days. Like I'm getting aggressively angry about it. Mm-hmm. And so I've had email and phone conversations where people have asked me the same question over and over and over again, and I've had to be like, just repeat myself ten times. And we're looking for new people for our studio. So I posted ads all over the place and like thought up all of the stuff about the studio that makes it appealing and put it into um, the ad. And then I'd have people respond and be like, I'd like to know more. And I'm like, well, I put everything I know in the ad. So what do you want to know? So that could be a generic thing when (laughs) when you're like, I know on Facebook um, Marketplace, if you if you hit like message person or whatever the button says, it automatically sends a message that says like, "Is this item still available?" or "I'd like I'd like more information about the item." So that could be a generic like depending on how you're advertising this. You can if always they're literally hitting like you can always change that message. Always. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know like. And but I um, I get it with like mini sessions too. People send me a private message and they're like, "Can you tell me more?" I'm like, literally the location, the time, and the price. And all the details are in the ad. Yeah. Why? Why? 
What else well, do you want to know? Like, <laughs> ask so that's what our me what you want to know. About today. I can't. <laughs> that's literally what we're going to talk about today. Oh so my I'm, god. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna teach everyone how to not feel like Sophia. Um, <laughs> So I'll give you an example of what happened. So okay. Facebook Marketplace, I'm part of a couple of groups. One one of them is like stupid uh, buy people and s- anonymous. Wait, what? <laughs> one of them is buy and sell London or something like oh, that. Oh God, those are the worst. Okay, they are the worst. On. So so people quite often don't go there to buy or sell anything. Yep. They go on there to kind of reach out to a wide uh, audience because they're part of the group and they feel that you know. There's oh thirty thousand members. That that's the rest of the people that I want to talk to. <coughs> Excuse me, talking too much. It's gonna make me cough. Anyways, <laughs> and so recently somebody posted um, that their car was broken into, and something was stolen. So they're saying, "Hey, I'm not selling anything, but I just thought I'd reach out and um, talk to you about this in case somebody's trying to sell something." You know, be, and and it's a great way to reach out to a platform of people who are looking to buy stuff, right? Buy and sell. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, if you're you're looking to buy a set of golf clubs, uh, just be aware that this set is stolen. This is what it looks like, blah, blah, blah. My window was broken in the parking lot, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So you you get the gist of it. Yeah. So immediately there's somebody who's like interested. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Or uh, a lot of them were, do you have more pictures or is there more information about this? And the the people would immediately reply to their own comments underneath saying, oops, sorry, hit the button, hit the wrong button or something like that. And if you're in an iOS device. No, just delete it. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Well, people don't know how to delete stuff. That's that's another thing that people don't realize you can delete. Use your powers of observation and look around a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we don't. Common sense isn't really that common, you know. So (laughs) the average user doesn't know how to use these things especially (laughs) facebook how do people how we would not survive oh my god we would not survive without technology and grocery stores we wouldn't survive these people would not be able to find food i'd like to we i feel like there should be some like you see these people on facebook and stuff and they get picked out and sent to a deserted island where they have to like learn how to fend for themselves (laughs) one of my favorite things to do in a grocery store is while i shop and I put things into the shopping cart mm-hmm. is to add it up and figure out the total after tax. Okay. And the challenge is knowing what gets taxed, what doesn't. Um, yeah, I have no idea. You, exactly. Right. It's because like, I think bread and milk doesn't get taxed and like uh, a sugary soda would get taxed. So anyways, uh, and um, by the time I get to the cash register, well, literally like seconds after I place the last item in my shopping cart, I can tell you what the total is. And it's all done in my head. I do that as a challenge to kind of stay sharp and keep my problem solving skills a little bit higher than average, if you will, because I find that you don't really have to be smart or in, or very intelligent. You just have to be very good at problem solving and you will have a really good life. You'll be able to... <laughs> always have a job and always have income, you know, it's all about street smarts, problem solving, etc. And the other day, this, this was actually about three months ago, I was just at a local store. And uh, I placed everything on the conveyor belt. And then I, I had a bunch of cash because all the oftentimes people pay me in cash. So I take cash out and I count $98.32, which we round down. So it was $98.30. And I put down $98.30 as she's still scanning. And this woman who must have been in her late 40s, early 50s, um, she looks at me and she's like, oh, I don't think that's going to be enough, hon. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So it was a 50, a 20, and a 10, and a bunch of toonies, which are $2 coins. So it really didn't look like a lot of money for the amount of food I was buying. Again, because I didn't exactly get the taxes right on a couple items, it actually was $97 something. I don't remember that number. 
And uh, so she says 97 and I hand over the $98 and keep the 30 cents in my hand. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me and she's like, how did you do that? Oh my God. The, the, the thing to home. me was, yes, <laughs> the thing to me was like this, like I have a, I literally have a cell phone in my other hand uh, and my wallet. And I'm thinking like, well, there's an app on here called calculator. I could have run around <laughs> adding shit up. You know, it's easy to do. It's not that hard. I said, and I just told her, I'm like, oh, it's, it's not hard. There's like 20 items. I just added them up uh, as I was shopping. And she's like, yeah, I, 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 I hate math. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like when people say I hate math, <laughs> you can't hate math. It's, it's, it's an everyday life. Like you just, you need math. <laughs> you know, if you don't do math. You do meth, I guess. I don't know. Uh, pick one. But <laughs> it, it was it was really kind of like, I don't need praise here. I don't need somebody to congratulate me. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can add shit up and add tax really fast, Rain Man. But what, what just floors me every time is the simple things. Um, when I was uh, working at, uh, doesn't matter where, but I was selling tickets uh, as, as to a banquet. And a person came up and said, how much are tickets? And I said, well, there's $35. And he goes, how much for two? And I'm just like, I thought this was a joke. And I looked at him. I was like, are you shitting me? He's like, how much for two? Like, I need two. I said, well, there's 35 each. So like, what will it be for two? This is a 20-year-old person or a person in their tw 20s stomped out of the room going, uh, I don't have my calculator with me. Doof, 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 <laughs> slams the door. I literally looked around like, is this, am I being punked? Like, is this for real? You don't know what 35 times two is? Like that, that's, that's something that you should just commit to memory, you know? Um, yeah, so we can talk about stupid people all day long, but you have to realize that everybody is good at something. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, so we, we need these people. But the funny thing is photography is one of those things that a lot of people turn to because they feel that they're not good at anything else. And they feel like photography, all it is, is just pointing at something and taking a photograph. And I think that this sort of makes photography a somewhat, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, where smart people perceive it as a shitty thing you do, where a lot of people who, hmm, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely, okay. Do you think it's a thankless job? That's that. Let me ask you that. No, depends on who you're working with. If you're getting the worst clients, then yes, God, yes. Right. But if you're getting the good clients, no. My answer to that, the, the, this came up recently because I actually read an article on F-stoppers, not even that long ago, maybe a week ago. About how bad of a job it is? No, it was, it was a question is, is photography a thankless job? And I actually don't remember the content of it. It wasn't written badly, but it was, it was kind of, it was very general. And it made me think about w what we were talking about. Why do people feel photography is a thankless job? Uh, everybody who hires me says thank you and they send me an invoice and that's kind of a, a thank you uh, in its in itself you mean they send you money yes they send they send me money for my invoice gotcha. there you go <laughs> yeah yeah I'm stupid <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> I need to drink water and talk less um, so I'm, I'm just thinking like I, I run into a lot of people who say it's a thankless job and I just had a conversation with somebody who wants to get into the printing business and uh, I completely think that it's a waste of time but if your passion is there mm -hmm. like like for me then then do it I'm, I'm not going to talk you out of it but y your investment is going to be way too big too much time is going to go into it it's not the right time to get into printing so I'm, I'm telling her things and I'm kind of walking her through stuff, answering as many questions as I can, trying to be really nice at, at the same time in the back of my mind. I know that I'm essentially helping out my future competition, you know, depending on the level of uh, and the scale of printing that this person will do. But to me, it doesn't matter because 
we all have to be friends and we all have to help each other because it will go both ways. And so by doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit more information out of this person. And she tells me that another photographer recently, um, talked her down on her prices only to turn around and to sell these prints to yet another photographer for kind of like the regular price. So this third party acted as a broker between another third party and this person going into business. And it floored me, first of all, that somebody would do that. And then it made me realize why a lot of people perceive this as a thankless job, because we are willing to negotiate with people. Um, and we're willing to bend over backwards just to get the job. And at some point you have to actually be able to say, uh, fuck it. I'm not doing it. It's not worth it. Um, like, let's say you have a, a wedding package that's $3,000 and somebody comes to you and says, look, our budget is 1800. If that, if that's the case, if somebody comes to me and says, our budget is 1800, I say, no problem. Let's give you $1,800 worth of photography then if that's your budget. Whereas I find a lot of other people, what they do is they still give them the $3,000 package for $1,800 and they work their ass off. Yeah. And it's because, because we're doing this, we're now anybody listening to this would probably be like, yeah, but how does it make this a thankless job? Like the person who's getting a deal is probably super thankful, you know, but, but they're not they're, They They really aren't because now what they see is, they see that the $3,000 value that you are trying to build into, into the service can actually be purchased for $1,800. And they'll, they'll even think that it's not even worth the $1,800. Hi, know? Tank. <laughs> Hi, Tank. <laughs> he, he's my doorbell, by the way. This yes. means that the pure leaders are here. <laughs> um, so does that make sense what I'm saying? Or am I just kind of rambling? Yeah, makes sense. All right. So what makes my neighbor go to photography by Yvette uh, or precious tenderness moments (laughs) of London? uh, What makes her go there to get her photos done and not come to me? It's like, what do you think it is? Depends. Many factors. We're, we live across the street from each other. We're friends. She knows I'm a photographer. She knows I'm great. She tells me this. So what makes her go to somebody who's a noob and who's just starting out? Cheap? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I always ask that. But I think a lot of it has to do with, with perception. Um, I'm not going to get into too many details of why I'm asking this. But th- the conclusion I'm coming to is depending on the services you need done, there's certain things that come along with it. And one of them is if you're looking to get your, you know, three months old baby photographed, you're not going to go to quality. You're going to go to somebody who kind of fits the mold of a typical baby photographer. And even though this woman just started out like six months ago, she's going to get hired before me because quality is almost arbitrary. It's almost like, well, you're a almost 40 year old dude, like you photograph babies and it doesn't matter if I do or not. The point is that we perceive that we, we paint that picture in our, in our mind that person who photographs babies has to look a certain way. A person who photographs weddings has to look a certain way. You know, that boho chick with uh, a really killer Instagram following she's going to be the best photographer for my wedding. Not, not the guy who has like the most killer images. And part of that is also the reason why we devalue our photography or why we devalue the service. Um, because we're now fighting for uh, all this work. Um, and we're willing to kind of be the lowest bidder for a lot of it. And, we just, we're competing for shitty jobs. That That's kind of what yeah. I'm getting at, you know? So I'm, I got to, I got to close this picture of this bread. Uh, I don't, <laughs> it's so distracting. Why is it still open? <laughs> because it's so good. 
Um, anyways, so I, I'm going to hand it over to you. I want I want to hear some of your perspective on this, um, on photography being a thankless position. I haven't really thought about that much. I get super irritated when I have clients who are just like shitty. I feel like people think, well, I need the work, so they take the shitty jobs. And I have to tell you, the shitty jobs end up costing you way more time and effort than the good ones. Oh, my God, you're blowing this out of the water because this is exactly what I want to talk about. Uh, so keep going. Well, what else do you want me to say? Like, the shitty clients always want more and they're going to try to pay less. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And the so funny thing is, even if you give them everything that they want... And for a cheap, cheap price, they're still not going to be happy. Correct. So you're going to kill yourself trying to give them what they want so that they're happy. But so you this can't make them always... happy. And it's just, it's awful. And it's not always the case with cheap clients. Yeah. This is, this is also true for clients who are willing to pay top dollar or even give you a tip. Some of them are just never going to be happy. Yes. Because yeah. they think that they're a creative director and you're their bitch. Yep. And so. I find that a lot of... <clears throat> young photographers and by that I mean like starting out starting out in business are sort of inclined to I don't know drop their prices when someone asks them to <laughs> or modify their services to what people are asking them for but if you have a pretty solid process and a process that works really well for you and it works really well for your clients, then don't like change everything for a shitty client who's like mm -hmm. trying to bully you into doing what they want. So I get what you're saying about, I mean, are you going to go to the baby photographer or are you going to go to the, like the better photographer? I don't know. But I think clients making these decisions based on, uh, wrong information or misinformation or just perception is literally what's making the business um, struggle. Because somebody like me, for example, if I was just starting out and I'm not getting clients and I and I want to do babies, I'm I would be inclined to cut my prices so low yeah. that I'm you know I'm now competing for business and now I'm getting clients who don't have that perception. Uh, of hiring the right person for the job and and even though it, it's false in their mind and they're just hiring the 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 cheapest possible solution you know yeah um and this is the problem with doing mini sessions and contests and stuff like that is that people do it to bring in clients but the people that they're attracting are people who want free stuff mm -hmm. so you, you can't do it that way you still have to market as if you're marketing to your ideal client you have to interview people. You have to make sure that you're bringing in the right people. You can't just be like, hey, $25 sessions. And then so, expect to be bringing in clients who are going to spend $1,500 the next time they hire you. Well, frankly, the people who just want to spend $25 aren't going to hire you again. Correct. It's I call it the Groupon effect. Um, Groupon called me a long time ago when they were really popular, when everybody was so Groupon happy that it was ridiculous. Anyways, yep. they called me and they said, we can bring you lots of clients. Look at this photographer who did this with us. The, they booked 983, whatever. The, it was almost a thousand photo shoots. Um, and Groupon's like, and you know what? 50% of the people never claim them because there was an expiry date, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know what? To tell you the truth, if there's an expiry date on this and somebody calls me about it, I'm still going to honor it because I'm not a douchebag. <laughs> Like things happen. So I said, I'm not, I'm not, you can't sell me on that. You know? So I'm like, like in my mind, she, she booked almost a thousand clients. She's photographing a thousand clients. And I'm like, I don't want to work. Uh, I don't want to photograph a thousand portraits. And they're like, well, you don't want to be busy. That's a thousand clients. Like you, you she's selling this for $99 and that's actually kind of expensive. And for $99, you get a 30-minute session, okay? You have to give them, like, two 8x10s and digital files and something else. It was ridiculous. It was like, I so I added it up, and I said, the two 8x10s alone. Cost me more than? 
The Groupon, yeah. Well, they cost me less. They cost me almost nothing. But what I sell them for to my potential clients who who will actually buy prints, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that that's like $60 right there. Now, here's what Groupon said. Okay, well, from $99, we take half. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you want half of my money for doing sweet dick all? Like, come on. And they're like, oh, and um, also the payment processing? Yeah, we collect that from you too. <laughs> so at the end, you're actually making 47%. So let's say it's a $100 session. For each session, you're getting $47. Now, for $47, you're delivering two 8x10s, so... Not a big deal. Okay, just two prints. You can be a cheap bastard and go to Walmart and get them for like three bucks. So that still leaves you about 40 bucks in your pocket. But do you really want to work for 30 minutes photographing somebody for $40? Then come home, download, back up, process all those images, and edit the six or 10 digital files that the client's expecting, and then deliver them for $40? Now, when you're starting out, you might be like, well, that's a lot of money and I get to work. But now repeat this a thousand times for $40. And the thing is, what they talk about is they're saying, well, on average, a client doesn't just want the two free eight by tens. They'll actually order a couple hundred dollars worth of prints. Mm, I disagree. Me too. Because I currently don't have clients ordering $200 worth of prints. Now, there are some clients who are ordering lots of prints. But an average client does not order two hundred dollars worth of prints. They order zero dollars worth of prints. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and this is the problem that I have with people giving away digital files because then I have to have the conversation with clients who are saying, "Well, do we get digital files? No. Well, why not? Every other photographer does that. Well, that was never the case. Like when you were dealing with film photographers, they didn't give you a roll of film after Some your wedding." Did. No, they didn't. So, oh, yes. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they might do the album and then give you the film. <laughs> no, Sophia, I literally know people who have hired a professional photographer who gave them a Ziploc bag of film at the end of the wedding. When and was said, this? Have a nice day. When, like, you want an exact date? It was it was the 90s. I don't know. That's <laughs> awful. It, where do you think we got the whole thing of you get all the digital negatives, the shoot and burn? It, it's not a new concept. I, I'm... I guarantee you that there was a big, uh, big percentage, not big numbers. Cause, cause photographers were not as abundant as they are today. Um, like the city that I went to high school in Chatham in Ontario, Canada, we had about 40,000 people and there was three, maybe four people who photographed weddings for 44, for 40,000 people. There was about, two f- portrait studios mm-hmm. yeah there was two portrait studios where you can go and get a portrait done on site and the portrait studios did not photograph weddings uh the people who photographed weddings in that city were just strictly kind of wedding portrait photographers they even photographed babies and things like that and uh, the rest of the photographers came from uh surrounding surrounding cities like little towns and whatnot so Let's make that, let's just make the number 10. But um, we're talking about 10 professional photographers for a city of 40,000 people. There are now 40,000 photographers for little 10,000 person villages. So I can't, like, like, let's use our logic. If I book 20 weddings in one wedding season and I charge $2,500 for those, each of those weddings, Mm -hmm. if that's all I'm doing and I'm giving them digital files... I'm not going to survive. Well, that's $50,000. How do people like justify that when they're saying, well, I only want to spend $2,000 and I want all of the digital files. The funny thing is they still have to go and buy the prints. Right. 20 20 weddings at $2,500 each is $50,000. You ask any photographer who's starting out, would they be happy making $50,000? You're not making $50,000. Right. You're, but first you of all, ask, on that much, you're paying tax. Um, if so, if you're charging, if you're claiming it, if you're, you know, if you're charging so fifty thousand dollars in mm-hmm. that year, you're paying eight. That's HST 
comes right off the top of that. Your income tax comes right off the top of that. And then you well, have all assuming, of your expenses. Assuming if you're you booking 20 weddings in a season, you probably have some expenses, like some advertising expenses, pl expenses plus all of your equipment, um, plus like rent or mortgage or whatever, your insurance, your car and everything. And by the time you add all of that up, you're probably making maybe ten to $15,000. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, assuming you, so here, here's, let me, let me paint you a different picture. Uh, an average photographer does not charge HST. Okay. HST for those of you still listening, um, the the harm, I would hope that the average, tax. I would hope that the average photographer is definitely charging HST because that would mean that the average photographer is making less than $30,000 a year. That is scary. No. You're very naive. Um, the average photographer doesn't report their income. Well, so that's why they're. I hope they're, they don't get audited. <laughs> well, you get audited all day long. You don't have a paper trail. People pay you cash. You God. know, unless uh, unless you have a receipt for a hundred eighty thousand dollar Ferrari, that no red flags really come up. Uh, but a lot of people that I know that uh, were starting out, you know, because I wasn't. I was teaching people how to become photographers and, uh, you know, I was, a lot of them kept in touch. I know for a fact they didn't charge HST mm -hmm. because when they would order stuff from me, they would say, I don't need an invoice. So you think these people are collecting cash on twenty twenty five hundred $2,500 weddings? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't be <laughs> booking cash weddings like that. Well, Sophia, this is where you have to realize that not everybody thinks like you. <laughs> like, I'd be paranoid about people bailing. You can't have contracts for cash weddings. Well, you collect the cash and if they bail, they bail. You have, you have the cash in your pocket, right? It's a, it's a huge risk. It's a huge risk, but everybody does it. Now. I do not know how people survive. <laughs> well, survival... Okay, so say that those 20 couples all bailed then you have $2,500 but you still have all of your expenses well if they what do you mean all bail like if they bail they bail but I mean like you have the money are you collecting all of the money or no yeah, yeah I'm gonna course. bet that if those couples bailed and they paid you $2,500 they'd probably be going after you for that whether it was cash or not plus if you don't have a contract you're giving that money back um prove it that's what you have to say. You know, it, it, it honestly, not a lot of people I think they can prove it. They'll bail. have emails. Like, because <laughs> well, these weddings are probably all booked exactly. over email. Like, it'd be re reasonably easy to prove that sort of thing. But if people are canceling their cash wedding, which they spent $2,500 on upfront, I have a feeling. How many people cancel weddings go. with you? Um, not that many. I'm yeah. not saying. Most no, people don't I'm cancel their weddings. No, no, not canceling weddings. their weddings. But they might be like, oh, we found a cheaper option. Give us our money back. It doesn't happen, honestly, because the, those people do. Once they find a photographer, they don't. They don't keep looking. And trust me, when they find a cash photographer, they've already seen fifteen to twenty other ones. I book a ton of cash weddings. What they don't realize is they're paying taxes anyways. When they say I don't want the invoice, I just don't give them the invoice. But they're, I'm, I'm charging them. I'm reporting that income. Mm -hmm. You know, and I you still do a contract. Telling with them. me that people don't collect tax or pay tax. Okay, now you're I'm changing telling your you, story. I'm telling you what no, I do. No, I'm not listening anymore. Okay, I'm telling you what I do. <laughs> yeah. So Ugh. when somebody calls me and says, look, I want, I want your services, but I don't want to pay the tax, I tell them everybody pays tax. And they're saying, well, I just, I just want a cash deal. I don't, want, I don't even need an invoice or anything. They don't get an invoice, meaning I don't print one for them. But they do pay tax. They just don't know they're paying the tax. Yeah, okay? my point is I can't have 20 weddings at $2,500 in a season uh, and then survive. Right. Well, and that that's fine. You uh, you don't have to do it. Other people do. Other but people these do this pe like, I'm talking about people who make like more money than I do. But they want to haggle you down, right? Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. Well, that's how they, they keep their money. <laughs> it's true but like if they're making that much money and they're not running a business so let's say these people are making north of sixty thousand dollars a year okay so all they're paying is income tax plus they have their like 
normal expenses. So their mortgage or rent in their car. Um, Everything else is basically like just life stuff. And then I'm running a business and I'm getting paid $50,000 a year. I have all of my business expenses. So let's just take 50% off of that. And then I have to pay my mortgage and my car after that. Like, I don't understand. These people clearly don't know math. Like, (laughs) their logic is not very good. And these are the people who want a response immediately. Like, if they email you and you don't email them back the same day, like they're pissed Mm -hmm. and they expect you to shoot on weekends and they expect you to answer your emails on weekends and only meet in the evenings. And like, I don't understand people. So I've been audited. The stupidity of people is remarkable. I'm not even talking about being audited anymore. No, uh, well, I'm telling you something else. (laughs) So you need to calm down. (laughs) I am calm. And and realize... um, not everybody lives the same way and oh, for sure. you're in a position. So, so here's the thing. How many people do you photograph, um, that are getting married that don't live together? Not very many. Right. So this $50,000 income or $60,000 income that you speak of is only half of the income. Exactly. Right. So the reason why, um, people want to pay less is because everybody is swimming in credit card debt and mortgage debt and and and, you know um i do not have a car payment for example okay so that that means that i'm currently driving a nine-year-old car and i'm totally happy with that okay some people can't do that they they (laughs) they just they're ingrained in their head that oh my gosh my car has more than a hundred thousand kilometers it's gonna rust out and fall apart no way not for me no i don't think that's it I think it's all about perception. Well, they want to have the new car. No, this that is, is the perception. Also, so some, why they have everybody, the... everybody has different different ideas. People who have to have a new car because it's a new car actually spend a lot more oh. on cars than people who have to have a car because it has over hundred thousand kilometers. So, and I, I'm I'm going to tell you that I'm an expert on this because uh, the car industry is my client, and I do this almost every day too, right? And the reason why people get new cars, it will blow your mind. All right. Some of them will literally say, well, I've had my truck for five years. It's time for a new one. <laughs> why? Oh, I don't know. It's it's just time. I'm like, it's not underwear. You don't need to change it when it's dirty. You just wash it. You know, you don't need to throw it out because it has a hole in it. You can like, now I was born in Ukraine. A lot of people know this. Um, I've mentioned it in the past. And when I was growing up, if I had a hole in my sock, my mom made the hole disappear. We didn't throw the sock out and um, go buy a new one. The hole was gone. There was a patch in, in, in instead of it or however she did it. Today, if I get a hole in my sock, the sock goes into garbage. Okay. And this disposable society is the reason why, you know, when you notice a little bit of rust on your car, you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And everybody listening to me. Some, some of, some people are going to be rolling their eyes like, yeah, right. Nobody does that. And half of the people are going to be like, oh yeah, I noticed a little bit of rust. I got to go get a new car. That's just how it works. Um, so long story short here, uh, you just have to, you just have to realize that every individual is different. And the most expensive wedding I've ever booked ever, um, the person ended up spending $12,000 on photography only. There was four people. We did prints on site. Like it was, it was a great wedding. I had a ton of fun. And out of the $12,000, um, I think my profit margin was less than it was on a typical wedding that would average 3,500 bucks. And it's because of all the product that the person wanted. Now, at the end of the day, the person also asked for a deal. And when I looked at it, I thought, well, A, you're a friend. B, because the amount is higher and I'm still only working one day, I can afford to make less of a percentage because I work on margins. I don't work on dollar values. To me, I want to make sure that, you know, there's a 30% profit margin. And at the end of the day, the actual profit is 10% of my income. So if I'm happy with that, or if, if those numbers all match, I'm happy with that. And so sometimes I'm okay with making a little bit less money, sort of having a small piece of a very big pie that tends to be bigger than the entire pie that I'm used to. And this individual had a job that maybe paid them about 40K, 
So why is this person spending more money on a wedding than people who I know for a fact were lawyers uh, and even doctors? I've had, I had doctors hire me for like the most basic package ever. I think they ended up spending about 2,800 bucks. Okay. And they're, they're both doctors. I shit you not. They're, one of them is a surgeon. They, they moved to Florida since, but they, they lived in London. Uh, they worked at the uh, university hospital and they didn't want to spend a lot of money. Whatever the reason is, a lot of it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's perception. It's per- perceived value of my service. So they just don't, they feel like the work that we're doing isn't as important. Now, we I don't price my work based on importance. I have an algorithm that I use that quantifies. Okay, let me let me start over. The amount of money it costs me to do a job, I add my profit margin to it and I add my wages to it and then I give you the number. If you're happy with it, you pay it. If you're not, I don't I don't want you to hire me. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. But I think that most people don't do this and they just They don't. They try to get the work so They'll just be like, oh, you only want to spend $1,000? Okay, I'll do it for $1,000. Because in their the, mind, it's $1,000. I'll do the exact same thing I was offering you for four grand for $1,000. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. Well, <laughs> Not we, only does we that all de- know we can't do like that. It deva- no, we don't, apparently. It devalues <laughs> yourself, but it devalues everyone else. And if you're going to pull that, you're going to keep getting those $1,000 jobs yeah. from the people exactly. who are expecting $4,000. And that's that's how we started talking about this, the the... Uh, Groupon effect. If you start doing those $25 mini sessions or $99 headshot sessions, you're, you're, the, A, those clients aren't coming back. That's the Groupon effect. They're just going to go to the next client, next photographer offering the $99 yeah. sessions. Yeah. And it's not our fault. We didn't create this shitty industry. We are simply just the byproduct of it. It's yeah. the, the third party companies like Groupon who have basically shit on us. Um, and yes, they helped out a lot of people, but I'm sorry, I do not want to work that much for a loss. It doesn't make sense. I've done the math on a couple of different um, business plans and strategies and just kind of how people do things uh, of active photographers in the area. And I've come to the conclusion that majority of them are better off working at Tim Hortons. Yeah. Because they'll make more money at the end of the year and they'll work less. Um, And what it comes down to is the fact that somebody who comes from a nine to five environment, they're used to a steady paycheck of, let's say, just arbitrarily throwing this out, $600 every week Mm -hmm. after after tax. And so when when they see that they can do a wedding for $1,000 and only work a day, they go, yeah, I'll take it because like shit, I had to work in a, I had to work 40 hours for 600 bucks. What they don't know, Sophia, and then what you were saying earlier is that thousand dollars, if they claim it, they do have to pay income tax on. And from that thousand dollars, they do have to cover all their expenses. And those eight hours at the wedding that they, that they work aren't the only eight hours that they're working. They're going to mm-hmm. work another eight hours or so editing. They're going to, you know, and then come the expenses with having a website, having a gallery, having to pay f- for hosting a gallery, etc. And they don't realize that. They don't see that when you get when you're used to your six hundred dollars after tax. All you do is go show up to work and come home. Um, you have the zero of these expenses, and these expenses, though arbitrary and some are very low, do add up over time. Mm-hmm. So if you don't bring enough income in to cover this, yeah, absolutely, you're gonna basically just it's and it's a it's a vicious cycle you're gonna you're gonna have to start taking more jobs but because now word of mouth spread and you're that thousand dollar wedding photographer you have no choice but to take that next thousand dollar wedding because nobody else is calling you yeah the simple solution to this is patience and i would say that if you take the effort um and you know if you're running your business at a loss rather than doing that why don't you put that money into marketing and market a, a lifestyle, market a product, market um, yourself, market your business as this is what I do. This is how much I charge. I know you're out there. 
I'm going to find you and I'm going to do such a good job that you're going to talk about this to your friends and family and they're going to hire me for the same service. Um, it works because I'm living proof of it. Sophia is living proof of it. And many other photographers out there are living proof of it. Now, one thing I'm going to say is don't look to the superstar photographers like Jody Gray, Jasmine Starr, um, all these oh. bloggers. And at the same time, don't assume that you know what's going on behind their business because these people are also running a business educating photographers. Right. So at what point do you how, do you stop and think, well, they're actually teachers. Yes, they're working, <laughs> but they're working in order to create content. Like their, their main income source is teaching you how yeah, to do things that not you're not doing. It's not necessarily photography. Like they're probably <laughs> making more money from education. Than Absolutely from they are. Absolutely they are. Because you don't not book a wedding to fly to Toronto from wherever the hell you're from in the States, like California, to do a seminar on the weekend. Yeah. You don't do that if you're not making more money in yeah. education. So don't look at them for your business model. You can you can get advice on shooting and things like that. I mean, really, don't look at me for, for your business model because I always said this, the geographical location has a lot to do with how your clients um, respond to your marketing. Take what we say as a guideline and just more or less don't do things that we tell you not to do. Um, earlier, Sophia, we were talking about, you know, doing cash weddings. You'd be surprised at how much cash business there is out there. Um, I'm not going to name names or do whatever, but I've heard people brag to other photographers at events. They're like, oh yeah, I've done 50 grand worth of cash weddings this year. That means $50,000 off the record. Yeah. To be honest, I just don't want to deal with the aftermath of those weddings where people all of a sudden, like they're doing cash because they're a little bit cheap in some respect. They don't want to it's pay not the that. extra. Listen, I don't, they don't want to pay the extra money on the tax. And I don't want to deal with those people afterwards when they're like, well, give us all this other extra stuff. And then I have to be like, no. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, well, we don't have a contract. So, and I'm going to be like, well, no, I just don't want to deal with it. And, and that's great. That's there's definitely a safety net, not dealing with those people. Uh, I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I, since, since I started a business, I have not accepted a single under the table cash job. Because like I said to you, when the client comes to me and say they, they want a cash deal, I, I, I just don't give them an invoice, but yeah. I'm claiming it. And what I was trying to say earlier is. I don't I care about claiming it. I want the contract that tells them what they're getting. Well, they don't get, they don't get this. They, <laughs> they, every wedding I've shot had a contract. They still get the contract. They just don't realize that the contract is a paper trail and therefore I'm claiming the income. Yeah. They think that they're getting a deal. They think they're getting sort of an under the table deal and not paying the tax. But in reality, the tax is paid. I'm taxed on it and kind of Bob's your uncle, right? So, but what I was trying to say is I recently did get audited because this is important. And that income was combed thoroughly. Like they wanted, they wanted rent receipts from me. Mm -hmm. Um, and because one of the rent receipts didn't have the HST number, the business number of the person I was renting studio space from, they said, I can't claim that HST. So there, here's a learning, um, moment, a teaching moment. So this entire hour you've spent listening to us ramble and, and argue, here's what it was really going to come down to at the end in Canada. Anyways, when you issue an invoice to somebody, make sure you put your tax number on it yeah. for their benefit. But also if you're getting services done from somebody else, make sure that their tax number is on it. Because if you going to uh, collect the input tax credit, basically get your GST or HST back. If you get audited and the business number is not on the invoice, the government the audit people will just say, well, you, but we can't legitimize this, so you don't get it. And I'm out hmm, about $1,500 as a result <laughs> because I paid $1,500 in HST. And uh, 
poof. The invoice didn't have the number, so. Yeah. So I'm screwed. I'm out. Um, anyways, I I think we kind of got the point across. Yeah. Uh, really. Yeah, really, really what it comes down to is at the end, I just wanted to say this. Uh, rather than going around complaining that, you know, people don't respect photography, blah, blah, blah. People don't respect you as a photographer. Really, what you have to do is uh, give them a reason to respect you. Uh, be a reputable individual. Be a reputable business. And... Um, rather than taking, you know, the time to do those stupid mini sessions, why don't you take that time and that money you're losing and put it towards marketing, whether mm -hmm. it's Facebook marketing, hell, I don't, I don't care. You're probably going to be better off advertising in print than you are doing mini sessions. And that's just my opinion. Uh, some people do really well with mini sessions, but I personally you can do mini I, sessions and I think we did an episode on how to do mini sessions mm -hmm. or we should in the future, but, um, yeah, people just don't do them properly. I think people should stop doing them at all, period. But that's an option. But, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it next time. So why don't you, um, subscribe to our channel and then join us next time. Yeah. Okay. You've been listening to Double Exposure Show. Thanks to Benjamin Edward for our aardvark, Ben Sound for our theme music, and thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. Don't forget to join us in the Double Exposure Show group on Facebook. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Until next time. Get to work. Get to work.